Welcome to The Technology Pill, a podcast that looks at how technology is reshaping our lives every day and exploring the different ways that governments and companies use tech to increase their power. My name is Gus Hossein, and I'm the Executive Director at Privacy International. And I'm Caitlin, and I'm PI's Campaigns Officer. Hi. So, Caitlin, you wanted us to talk about PEMIs. Why? Yes. So those who've been listening to the podcast for a good few years, I think, might remember we did a podcast a while ago called Something Dramatic about the end of privacy, about facial recognition, in which we mostly talked about Clearview, a company we've talked quite a lot about. But right at the end, we had a chat with a guy called Daniel Alpha, who worked at Netspolitik, and he'd just done a report into a new facial recognition company called PimEyes. PIMIs were a pretty interesting company then, they're a pretty interesting company now. And the reason we wanted, to, or I wanted, to circle back around to PIMIs is because they've recently popped back up in the media. And the reason why, maybe well, I'll save it for the podcast, but they've popped back up in the New York Times talking to our favourite New York Times journalist, Kashmir Hill, who you may remember also broke a lot of the information about Clearly. So I wanted to come back around and talk about why they're interesting but also talk about the ways they've changed since we last told you about them two-ish years ago. And I'm grateful this is possibly the second or third time this calendar year this podcast is interviewing journalists. And the role that journalists play in our work is extraordinary because this is how we also find out about things often. Of course, we have members of the public contacting us and our partners across the world, but we spend a lot of time just reading the news and trying to stay on top of things. And what journalists are able to do by identifying bad actors and do their research, it's what spurs us into action. So it's such a great opportunity to, to speak with our guest from Netspolitik, Sebastian, because on top of that, Netspolitik is an extraordinary outfit. So often we riff back and forth on issues of common concern. So it's great to have this opportunity. Yeah, and for context, Sebastian and Daniel wrote the initial report together. It's not like <laughs> we think they're interchangeable. They're absolutely not. But yeah, so Sebastian wrote the initial report with Daniel and is very kindly agreed to come talk to us today. Hello, thanks for having me. Awesome. Okay, so we've kind of invited you here today to ask you many, many questions about PIMIs, which you've investigated as part of your job as being a journalist at Netspontic. So the first question I wanted to ask is just like, what is PIMIs? Yeah, PIMIs is a face search engine, and you can compare it to Google, but with images. So when you type a word in Google and you want to find something about Privacy International, you type in Privacy International, and Google gives you the results. And you do not feed PIMIs with words, but with faces. And PIMIs looks in its database for similar faces and shows the results. Where does it get the database from? This is interesting. They crawl the internet for publicly available faces. And they scan the faces for biometrical features, like the measures of your nose and mouth and ears and chin and so on, which is kind of fingerprint because faces are quite unique. And they pour these data into 
a database made out of hashes. And when you upload a new face, a search query, they look at the database and show you all the matches. So it's not like they're kind of scraping the internet every time you do a search, right? Exactly. That's not what Google does also, because the internet is way too big to scrape it every time you search. They have a personal copy of the things they need. And this copy doesn't consist out of JPEGs or image files, but only the hashes, the fingerprints of the images. And there's another thing, of course, they need to store. These are the URLs where these images are found, because that's what you see in the search results. It's the image plus the URL, the source in the internet. And if you have no subscription plan, so if you're a free user, then the image is blurred and so is the URL and you have to pay to see the full result. Right. Because this is a particularly interesting kind of aspect to me, at least, because the way that they store, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way that they store the images or not store the images is one of the ways they differentiate themselves from systems like Clearviews. Is that right? Or am I off base? <laughs> well, it is a peculiar topic because as soon as you save those images, things get more difficult concerning law. I do not know how Clearview exactly works, but I think they have a database with hashes as well. I would be surprised if they also stored images but I do not know exactly. But yes, this is the peculiar point. What do they actually store and what is the data they actually process? I think we will have to talk about this in more detail today. Definitely. So you've been working on PIMIS for like a few years now. I think you did some of the first kind of reporting on PIMIS at all. And I wondered if you could talk a bit more about how they've changed. Yeah, PIMIS has been changing in the last two years, and it's always interesting to open the website. Every time I open the website, I think, oh, maybe something has changed now, and I will have to start to make screenshots. <laughs> and there has been kind of silence for a couple of months, but then at the beginning of the year, things started to change immediately. So the question is, where shall I start? Maybe from the beginning, 2020, when PIMIS has been founded as a hobby project by two students from Poland. And PIMIS was for free. There was a premium model, but every usual search one would want to conduct was possible with your own face or any other random face. And this is when I first discovered PIMIS. And then there was our investigation. And the both student founders of PIMIS at first did reply when we emailed them. And then suddenly they stopped replying. Maybe when they saw that things became quite critical and international reporting started. And then PIMIS already started to change as soon as we asked our first questions. Some of the advertising, how they advertised themselves to, to others, was changed. The process of uploading an image was changed. Suddenly, it was not possible to upload a random image from your local storage so easily. You had to show an image via webcam. So, of course, it should have been your own face, but it's the webcam, so you can show any image you want in front of the webcam. That had changed in the past. And then suddenly, the post address of PIMIS had changed. It was no longer in Poland, but it was overseas on the Seychelles Islands, later in Belize in Latin America. And this was the point where PIMIS 
started to hide from the public. They didn't only stop answering us as journalists, but also local authorities. There is a German data protection officer running an investigation on PIMIS. And according to his official statements, PIMIS at that time did not reply or even react to the questions. So this is the big second chapter, PIMIS ignoring requests. And now, since the beginning of that year, since spring, there is a third chapter. And this was very surprising to me because I never expected this. PIMIS has a new CEO and he's very talkative. <laughs> he shows his face and he talks to journalists and he says he is eager to answer all the questions of the German data protection officer. So he's the contrary to what PIMIS did before. And I am still puzzled, <laughs> to be honest. I'm still. So the, the new CEO is an interesting guy, right? And he has an interesting relationship with the original founders because he used to be their lecturer. Is that right? Yes. According to an interview he gave, he met them in 2017. They were students in Poland and he was a guest professor in Poland. And that's where they met. I do not know how much exchange they actually had. But in an interview with the New York Times, he described the two as brilliant masterminds and absolute introverts. <laughs> and then five years later, this year, he bought the company. Did he actually use the word mastermind? Because you, you never associate the word mastermind with a positive development. You're the mastermind of peace on earth. You're the mastermind of, of human rights protection for all. No, masterminds tend to be, yeah, nefarious. Yeah, well, that, that's what the New York Times quoted him. Um, I, I didn't have the luck to talk to him personally myself yet. But according to the New York Times, he was fascinated by the technology. And so was I. So the first time you see and use a face search engine and you upload your face and see how many correct results that search engine finds, it is fascinating. So I can understand a possible background for saying masterminds. Yeah, and the new CEO, I think, has moved them from the Seychelles and from Belize, which not to impugn the reputation of those places, but maybe aren't famous for being places people go to be super transparent and accountable. But he shifted right. them back to Georgia. Is that right? Yes and no. According, I haven't checked it myself in official files, but according to the reporting, there is still a construction using different states that are known for tax evasion, which doesn't mean that it actually happens, but they are known for that. But what is new is that Mr. Gobronitz, the new CEO, is located in Georgia, and he says he's accountable and reachable, and he has an open LinkedIn profile, and so on. So he isn't hiding. Pim Ice isn't hiding anymore. That is for sure. What do you think it means for the German data protection investigation? Well, I've asked, and I've asked if he already responded, because he said he would be eager to. And when I asked, which is a couple of weeks ago already, he hadn't responded. And so they might ask again. And everything else is completely open. I do not know what Mr. Gobronitz really aims at. Yeah, I guess one important question is, at the moment, like you mentioned a subscription service, but how does PIMIS make money? 
In the past, the subscription service was targeted towards people who want to make many, many search queries. There was an API for hundreds and thousands of possible queries. That has changed now. Now you need to pay as soon as you want to actually find the place of the search results. So you get a little preview, like of a thumbnail. And if you want to find out who uploaded my face, where and when and with which context, you have to pay. You also have to pay when you want to delete special search results of yourself. So there is an opt-out form for free that only includes every search result. But if you want to be a little bit picky and only delete some of the results, you will have to become a premium subscriber. And according to the New York Times, which was quite surprising for me, PimEyes has tens of thousands of subscribers mainly from the US and Europe. Maybe I underestimated how well-known PIMIS already is. So that's just deleting it from the PIMIS search results. They're not you know, contacting the website holders themselves and politely asking them. Exactly. This is something that users would have to do for themselves. Right. You have to pay a company in order to have the capability of making sure that company doesn't have your data. Yes, exactly. That's a master mindful business model. Can you tell us what the degree that you understand it? What is the nature of the German data protection investigation itself? Like what are they identifying as the potential wrongful or problematic activity? Yeah, of course. Without being a lawyer myself, I can at least describe the very basis of it, which is the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation in Europe. I don't know if the UK has a similar regulation after Brexit. It's a painful story, but uh, that's a, we need to be drinking in order to explain the answer to that Okay, one. so I will put that in brackets. So <laughs> the basis is the GDPR. And the GDPR speaks a quite clear language. It says, saying it in my words, as soon as you process biometric data that can be used to identify a unique person, you need the consent of that person in advance. And now the task of a data protection officer is find out if PIMIS complies with the GDPR. Fun. I think I know what PI's position might be, but, you know, <laughs> we'll leave that maybe to the investigation. Is PIMIS unique in that, you know, PIMIS, I can go and upload my picture and do a search myself. To your knowledge, is PIMIS unique in that ability? It has been unique for quite a time in a sense that it was accessible for the public. But now things have changed. So for one of the other actors, which is extremely important, you've mentioned it already, is Clearview AI, which offers quite a similar service, but only to police authorities, which is a problem for itself, but it's not open for the public. And then a couple of months ago, we stumbled upon a new startup from Poland that seemed surprising to us with old acquaintances because shareholders of that company are Lukasz Kowalczyk and Denis Tatina, the two students who once founded PIMIS. And now they are involved in the next startup, which is called Public Mirror. And we looked at what Public Mirror does and offers and we saw, well, this sounds very much like a face search engine with a database of hashed faces. They have a different marketing. When we looked at the website, the marketing was rather towards people who are already in the media, like influencers, 
and other public figures and they want to control like their reputation see who talks about them so it's a different marketing but again it's kind of the same face search engine with a very similar subscription model except it links to um caitlin's earlier question which is public mirror in order to be of value and i'm not trying to give them advice on how to be a useful surveillance tool but in order to give influencers values that it should allow the influencer to request a deletion of data on the originating site so if through this search you're able to find something on youtube that's embarrassing or something on instagram that's embarrassing then that individual should be able to curate through public mirror but there's no way that public mirror can act on their behalf although you know 10 years ago there was when the right to be forgotten first came up particularly in the google case in spain there were a number of companies that popped up saying hey we can help manage your right to delete online and to curate your identity online i don't know if they still exist but do you think public mirror is trying to go down that model or do you think it's just a different way of selling the PIMI's idea i didn't dig deep into everything that public mirror has written publicly already but i didn't have the feeling that they would want to offer judicial advice it's kind of a different business maybe it would be attractive for some people but it would definitely be much more difficult than just scraping the web for faces and yeah. making a hash database as big as possible yeah there's something really galling about collecting all this information like selling the right for people to search it and then selling the right to delete information from it that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the search and the scraping that you did something really irritating about that as a business model yeah at least everything that happens is obviously very slow so the first report about PIMIS was in 2020 and mr gobronitz met those two creating PIMIS in 2017 and obviously, there are open questions, to say the least, and they have been able to operate and gather money and experience and so on. So from an economic view, apparently, it may still be profitable to run a highly questionable startup because law is slower. Oh, yeah. So between Pimai's Public Mirror, like they're both examples of, I think, what's fair to call an expanding like facial recognition market. Is that like a particularly concerning type of company? I rather wonder if it's a problematic technology. Don't know if the construction of the companies is so interesting to dig in. I'm not sure. But I think the technology side is something that really makes me at least worry. There is that one kind of viewing it that technology should be free to everyone and knowledge should be free to everyone. Those are some thoughts that the new CEO of PMIs has shared with the public already. And when you just look at those sentences, at very first glance, they seem to sound quite good. So, hey, why not? Knowledge is, is good. Knowledge is power. Everybody should have power. Isn't it democracy? But when you take a closer look at it, you find out that there are problems. A face search engine can be used as a weapon for stalking, for example, or for persecution in political relationships. It can be used to track down sex workers or political dissidents or anyone else. And now the other side might argue, well, it's also a weapon of defense because you can find if your image is used online, if other people use your face without your consent. 
And when you take a look at it on the perspective of individuals, you might feel like it's an even situation. There are stories of people who used it as a weapon of defense, thankful that their image-based sexual abuse, for example, finally has surfaced and they can do something against it. And there may be stories of people who suffered from it because people can use such a search engine to spread cases of image-based sexual abuse even more. So from an individual perspective, I would argue it is impossible to understand the real dangers of demise. So you have to go on another level, and this is the level of groups in society. And it's a matter of privilege. A weapon for everyone is not fair if privilege isn't distributed fairly. So it's a much, much stronger weapon in the hands of privileged users and a much, much weaker weapon of defense in the hands of those users who are already vulnerable. And that's a really very good point. And I think we'll put aside public mirror for now because it's newer, but I think Camus throughout their history hasn't had the best track record of making sure it's just you searching yourself, right? Because some of the questions of use come back to if it's me searching myself, that's one set of problems and there are issues and concerns around privacy, but it's incredibly difficult to guarantee that that is the case. Yes, exactly. And that is not even apparently the main goal of PIMIS anymore. There have been quite unclear statements made until today, but according, it was again the New York Times that spoke to Mr. Gobronitze. According to them, he is open for other uses of PIMIS, which means people searching faces of different people as long as they are ethical. As an example, he told the New York Times that he already blocked people in Russia using the site in solidarity with Ukraine. And he mentioned that PIMIS was willing to offer its service for free to Ukrainian organizations. Okay, so that's what he said. But of course, for me as a journalist, this opens a couple of questions. How does he ensure who is using the service? I mean, he can check maybe the IP addresses of people subscribing or checking the bank details of people subscribing to the service. But this is a rather weak link. And shall a small private company have a list of countries that can use such a search engine ethically and not. So when you look at all the different possible cases of abuse of such a platform, it becomes quite apparent that it will be impossible to really divide ethical use and unethical abuse. I think it was on Medium and then maybe the New York Times took it up. There was one woman who found PIMIS and used it to search for herself, I think, you know, initially out of interest and found a ton of kind of older images of sexual abuse. Mm, exactly. It was CNN, CNN uh, report. CNN. And she then had to, and PIMIS have since, I think, given her her money back, but she had to subscribe to a premium subscription to PIMIS to remove the links to those images from PIMIS which she said, like, they weren't easy images to find unless you were using PIMIS. Mm -hmm. So for her, without PIMIS, it wouldn't have been a particular problem. Because of PIMIS, it was a problem. And then they took money off her to resolve it. And, you know, they've, since I think the reporting on that particular instance, they've given it back. But, like, 
I can't remember which philosopher it was, but there's a thing where you invent the aeroplane and you inevitably, by inventing the aeroplane, invent the aeroplane crash. And with mm. systems like PIMIS, the potential seriousness, both for an individual, for society, for humanity, is really bad. And we don't necessarily know the potential scale of it and how damaging it could be to all the different individual kinds of people that there are in the world in many different kinds of situations that we can't imagine. You know, and people are starting to pop up with the stories of the personal horrific situations that have arisen. I don't know what my point is. It's just PIMIS worries me, I think, partly in that <laughs> it does let individuals weaponize these systems. And we have pretty serious concerns about policing bodies and governments using these systems already. But there is potential for safeguards in those processes. And there is potential to say no, like to ban them, to institute options, I guess. And it's much harder to do that with individuals on the internet. Yeah, when we take a closer look at that one story of, of Chair Scarlett that you referred to, it was reported on CNN, she did not find the opt-out version because it was quite hidden. So that's, from my understanding, the opt-out version has already been there for free, but she didn't find it. And we tried to look at it ourselves. Of course, it was after the report, so we cannot exactly know how things looked like at that time. But still today, or when we looked last week, the opt-out form was quite hidden. When you have your search results on PIMIS and you click on one particular result, maybe because you think this shouldn't be online, then you immediately get a pop-up window for the subscription services. And you have to scroll down to the very bottom of the site in very small font. There is the opt-out version. And there you learn that you can delete search results without paying and without subscription. But then there's another thing. When you go that opt-out process, you have to provide even more personal information. For example, a copy of your passport. <laughs> um, you, you shall censor and blur many, many of the information on that passport. So the only thing that is left is the photo itself. And PIMIS makes this very clear. So it's not as absurd as it sounds at first, but it's still absurd, of course, because even a blurred version of your passport connected with your name and your photograph is something that can be abused if it's leaked. And when you're a user that is shocked by the things that PIMIS does and that profoundly does not trust the company be it justified or not, then it's a very, very strange situation to give even more information to them. I wonder how they manage that system. So if I send them my passport with the details blurred, then they have to attach it, surely, to the search results I want gone. Like, is it that the next time they crawl the web looking for more images, I then have to do it again? Or is it that they're stored somewhere and therefore not deleted? Like, I'm not entirely sure how they would manage that in a way that would make me happy. <laughs> This is an open question. I can speculate on it, which is kind of, I think, an educated speculation, but still speculation. My guess would be that they have kind of a block list of hashes that are not allowed and shall be deleted from the public database. But as always, 
there are false positives. PIMI does almost never 100% know for sure this is the same person and this is not. It always relies on probability. So there will be images that still appear in the search results and there will be images of other people being deleted from the search results as soon as you use a block list. Right. I can't remember which system it was, but a while ago, one of our colleagues, you know, uploaded her face into one of these and she got back someone else's VK account and someone else's pictures. And I just can't imagine like the absolute nightmare scenario is you put your face in, you get someone else's sexual abuse imagery. Trying to pivot to a bit more hope, hmm. I guess. I mean, or maybe not, depending on your answer. Have you seen, not to brag, but we've been involved in a ton of complaints to data protection authorities around Clearview. And we've had a ton of judgments fining Clearview, asking Clearview to delete people from particular localities from their databases, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Have you seen any signs that those judgments are making companies like Pemwise nervous or has kind of the slow speed of things like the German investigation? reduce the impact, I guess, of those? Well, hard to say. In the past years, I've seen a trend that companies become more prudent. Like, for example, Microsoft and IBM and Amazon, not completely abolishing, um, but minimizing their AI products. And Clearview is already a little withdrawing and they, they have this backlash from the political sides. And PIMIS had been hiding overseas. So I have seen kind of like a trend of regulators. And that's what makes entering Mr. Gabronitzer, the new CEO of PIMIS, so surprising to me because uh, he, he comes there with his broad appearance and says he's eager to answer every question. This goes completely against the trend that I have observed. And this makes me wonder, well, maybe this trend is just a trend and it can go back again. I'm not sure. And there is still, of course, the possibility that all these companies who are still acting quite openly with their websites in the clear web and their addresses and so on, that there might be a kind of a black market in the future. So I think before this kind of technology really disappears, there will be so many further chapters of this long story. I'm curious, what drives you to keep on following this story and stories like these? Because like, I'm a huge fan of your organization and all the types of stories you've covered over the years. We've been fortunate that we've been able to work with Netspolitik occasionally because we share a, a certain itch, a certain worry about some things in the world that they deserve greater scrutiny. What drove you on this one? And do you think you're going to continue to follow this one? Okay, I will definitely continue following because once I started something, it's very hard to let it go. What drove me to go to PIM Eyes? It were it were actually two things. The one thing is very, very profane. Um, somebody ad tagged me on Twitter two years ago and said, well, maybe Sebastian Meinek would want to take a look at this. And it was one evening in summer when I just wanted to go to bed and I checked Twitter. <laughs> 
<laughs> the last thing before I, I went to bed, which is a very bad habit, and then I saw this, and then of course I didn't go to bed, but I opened Pim Eyes and and I did my first searches on that website, and I thought this is a very big thing, and I wrote Daniel Laufer, a, a colleague of mine on Signal, and asked him, "Do you also think that this is a big thing?" And then we kind of already started uh, investigating on this. And what you can hear from this profane reason is uh, my deeper motivation for tech journalism. I think it's one of the fields of journalism that are most exciting, where the most revolutionary things happen. Sometimes journalism can be very slow and you need a lot of power because you report about the same problems over and over again while nothing changes. And when it comes to tech, things change rapidly, nice. sometimes for the bad, <laughs> but, but this makes it even more exciting. Oh, that, now that's a great way to end. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I think that's the same itch we have. It feels like Yes, there are other aspects of the world that are very worrying. There are great organizations and great people doing great work in those domains. We're just trying to cover our own patch, and we are fascinated. The fact that it changes so quickly, the fact that there's always a new problem, but equally, it's a continuation of the same problem that we can apply what we've learned before to these new ones. And while these, these CEOs and these coders think that they've invented something new, we've smelt this before and it doesn't smell good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Sebastian, is there anything that you wanted to add that we haven't covered or anything you wanted to cover? Yeah, maybe if any of the people hearing this podcast have any hints any stories, any personal experience, be it with Pim Eyes or Clearview or Public Mirror or any other site we didn't mention and didn't know, feel free to contact me anytime. You can find me on Twitter and there are links for secure ways of messaging, be it Signal, WhatsApp or Threema. I'm happy to hear your stories. And we'll put where you can find Sebastian and also his work in the description of this podcast wherever you're listening to it. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time, Sebastian. That was awesome. It was Thanks so for having interesting. Me. I really, really appreciate it. And it was really nice to meet you. It was. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can tell us what you think of the podcast by visiting us at pvcy.org slash tpsurvey. You can sign up to be the first to learn more about our work at pbcy.org slash pod And we'll include some links to relevant articles and information in the description wherever you're listening or on our website at pbcy.org slash techpill. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you use. Music courtesy of Sepia. This podcast was produced by Max Burnell for Privacy International. Awesome. Cool. Cool, cool. Bye.